Amen. 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 With the horns now. Amen. With the rhythm now. Hey. Amen. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. If you're in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, you find the Psalms. And then you turn a couple books past that, you'll find the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is about this guy, and he's trying to find out if he can have a meaningful, satisfying life without God. Uh, he keeps using this term, under the sun, which means uh, in, a, in the world just as it is without God. And uh, it's an exploration. And I'd say that, especially this time of the semester, uh, you know, there's a lot of anxiety um, about where we are in life. Some of you are like, why did I even come here and do this? Because it's worse than I thought it was going to be. It's harder. Um, But we tend to be pretty stressed about where we are in our season of life and where we're going, what the future is going to look like. And that's true for us if whether you're a religious person or not, um, whether you feel comfortable in a space like this or not, we're anxious about where we are and where we're going. It reminded me as I was thinking about this of the waiting place from other places you'll go. Uh, Dr. Seuss, the, the great priest and prophet, Dr. Seuss. He talks about the waiting place. This could be college. This could be being 19 in 2018. He says that the waiting place, it's for people just waiting. Waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow. Or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just Waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for the wind to fly a kite. Waiting for Friday night, or Thursday night. Or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break. Or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig of curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. And I think that's probably pretty indicative of each of us where we are. Because y'all are in this season of life and in this place where you know this is not the destination. When, you know, early in your senior year, maybe this seemed like the destination. But now you know this is just a place that you are along the way, and most of us are anxious about that. And I just wonder if you ever wish, like I do, that you could just be content where you are. You know? In the season of life that you're in, the age that you are, the place that you're at. Do you ever just wish that you could be content where you are, fully, and also hopeful about the future? Right? Because we either just live in the present or we live in the future. And that's what the writer of this ancient book of wisdom called Ecclesiastes is getting at here tonight as he talks. Look, look in your handout. It's what he says right there at the very beginning of the passage in chapter 11, starting in verse 8. The writer says this. He says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Right? That's what we want. We want every step that we take, every season of life to be content in that. He goes on, he says this. I think there's a, there really is a lot of wisdom practically for us in this. He says, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. 
Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And he goes on to talk about what it's like to get older. He says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. He goes, like your eyes looking through the windows. And the doors in the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are also afraid of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. He's really getting something across there to say, it really feels sometimes like whether you're young or whether you're old, it doesn't really feel like things mean very much. Um, But I think there's some real wisdom in here, so I'm going to pray and ask God before we dive in to it. Uh, Father, I thank you for this room full of women and men, people that you've made in your image, people whom you love. I thank you for the story that Matt shared, just to simply say that wherever we are tonight, whoever we are, that you love us and that you're with us and that you are inviting us, Jesus, to know you. And Lord, that feels very far off for most of us and feels like it doesn't make a ton of impact on where we are right now. And Lord, we just need you to speak to us in ways that we can understand in ways that will stir us and change us. And we ask that you would do that tonight. Um, Lord, we, uh, I, th- I thank you for this university. And Lord, just pray that you would continue to give strength and vigor as the end of the semester comes and all of the projects and tests are upon us. Um, Lord, we also lift up those um, in California, especially that are hurting from recent violence and especially from these uh, wildfires, Lord, that you would um, that you would be at work there to heal and restore. Be with us now. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know um, how they, you know, people will say, "Well, wherever you go, there you are." And what is true of all of y'all, even Matt, who graduated high school in 2013, um, I graduated college in in uh, 2006, so it's been a minute. Um, but all of y'all are young. That's the season of life that you are in. Um, Even if you feel old for college, you're a young person. That's where you are. And time really feels like our scarcest resource, right? Like it just keeps ticking by and going by. And we know that in the end, um, we only have a limited amount of it. And so what we do with that knowledge, especially as young people is that you either do one of two things. You either despise being young and just say, I, I, I don't want to be young. I just want to be grown up. I want to get past this. I want the responsibility. Uh, and you just sort of skip youth and get on with being grown. Or you're afraid of growing up um, and you just try to perpetuate youth as long 
as possible. And I think that what the writer of Ecclesiastes has for us tonight is really a vision that can make us both content with where you are right now, happy to be here, fully engaged, and yet also hopeful about the future. Because pretty much we, we, most of us think that um, this moment that we're in is really what our life is about. And we tend to be pretty anxious and stressed about wasting this moment. Because we, we have a feeling that it's all just going to go down from here. Three things. The first um, is the most important that the, that the writer of Ecclesiastes says. And he says, remember. Let me use three R words. I don't usually do that, but why not? He says, remember. Look at, in uh, chapter 12, verse 1 there. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Um, in order to have contentment and hope, the writer here is saying that we have to remember God, that he created us. He says, remember your creator in your youth. And this is a place, I think, where knowing Jesus can be really freeing, especially if you're considering Jesus and trying to figure out, okay, what practical sense does this make to me? I was with uh, someone the other day in my office talking about things and was talking about God, and she was just like, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but I just, <laughs> this doesn't like, make any difference to me where I am right now. And um, a couple of things that I think that are big and they feel spiritual or they feel long ago, but they really matter for you right now. And the first thing to remember is this, and it's that Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, Death is the reason why time feels so scarce to us. It is the one immutable reality in which we are all aware of. It's going to happen. Whether we want to or not, it's going to happen. And the reason why we feel like our, our, our time is this thing that has to be hoarded, like a, like a fossil fuel, you know, like a precious natural resource, is because we know that in the end we're going to die. It's not a theory, but a fact, of reality. And there's this, this pastor named Tim Keller, and, and he said this. He said, Jesus, this person that lived thousands of years ago, in an obscure place, at an obscure time. He died, and from all accounts, rose again from the dead, which no one had ever done before. And in that single act, that if it happened, he went into the darkness of death and basically blasted a hole through the back of it and undid it for the world. The one immutable reality of all things is that we're all going to die. And if Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible tells us that death now is no longer um, absolutely the final answer. The Bible tells us that if you know Jesus, if you trust him, that you become united to him in a way that could never be disconnected. So that means that you're united in his death and that you are also united in his resurrection. You're like, why does the fact that someone may or may not have rose from the dead 2,000 years ago matter for me? And it's this. If Jesus rose from the dead, and if you are united with him, that means that time is not scarce for you. That means that time is not this limited resources where you only get so much and you have to be so economical with it and you have to hold it so tightly. It means that you don't have to be afraid of the future 
which of course ev- all of us are. We're terrified. One of my greatest fears is going into another situation, like as a Christian or as a minister, and getting found out, right? Like, oh, an RUF, you know, I could do whatever I want. No one's looking over my shoulder, right? I'm afraid of the future because I'm afraid of being exposed. And we all are. But if Jesus rose from the dead, we don't have to be afraid of the future. And if Jesus died and was raised for you, that means that every moment of your life is fused and infused with significance. Also, what to remember is this. That God is full of joy. And he shares his joy with us. In, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, the, the Gospels are these books that, that, that talk about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a story about a man who was out working in a field. He was just out there working, farming, you know. And uh, he finds a treasure that's buried there. Just immeasurable. It's like he hit the pick six, you know, like he hit the Powerball. And, uh, but it's not his field. So what he, goes, he does is he leaves the field and he finds all of his stuff and he goes and sells it all so that he can buy the field so that he can have the treasure. Jesus tells us that story because what he's trying to get across is that human beings like me and you are that treasure to him are the thing that he's willing to sell everything to get, to empty himself of, to get. Later on in the book of Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews says that we should look to Jesus, and he tells us why. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That Jesus went to the cross and died because there was a joy, something that he was willing to sell everything for. And that joy was you. That he left it all behind. He says that he he despised the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he has his joy. And if you belong to Jesus, you are his joy. And look, this is what makes the Christian faith so radically unique. You know, tons of religious systems have, you know, believe in God believe in the afterlife, have a moral system, have a sacred text, all those things. It's not, it's not that unusual. What is absolutely unique about the Christian faith is that God himself came and he lived and he died and he was raised from the dead to overcome death. And the reason why he did that is because he wanted to be with you. He wanted to be close to you. God takes joy in his people. And he invites us to be part of that family. And you know that it's concrete and that you can depend on it because he, he himself lived and died and was raised. So because of the resurrection, if you remember the resurrection, then you don't have to be afraid of the future. You don't have to hoard the seasons of your life like a limited resource. And because of the joy of Jesus, you have every reason to use it well. You know how it is when you get a gift, right? Right? If you get something that's really meaningful to you, someone gives you a gift, you didn't work for it, but someone just gives it to you, isn't it somehow fused with so much more significance and meaning every time you use it? Because it's a symbol of the relationship, and you're reminded, if you love that person and they loved you well, that you wear it not just with pride, but with care. 
That's what our relationship with Jesus is. And there's two ways that this passage counsels us to steward that gift. Um, because I, I'm convinced that we, we are not told often enough that the things that God has given us, we, it's our job to steward them well. We're so caught up in the fact that we're trying to earn something with these things that we, that we, that we miss the stewardship. Here's, here's two ways that you can steward the season of life that you're in right now, that you're in your youth. You know, I'm not in your stage of life anymore, but I once was. Um, and now I have children. And they, they're in their youth, a different kind of youth. And um, I don't know why I said that, but I just feel sort of paternal, you know? Um, first thing is this. Remember I said it's ours. The first is rejoice. Notice he says, let them rejoice in all their years. And he says in verse 9, rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Every stage of life is a blessing, but rejoice especially in the fact that you are young, that you're strong, that you have things ahead of you. Look, being young is not the key to a good life because you can't, you can't keep it. But you should rejoice in it because you can do a lot of things at this stage in your life that you can't do later. You can eat at Taco Bell after 8 p.m. And like live to tell about You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> You can like, so a few weeks ago people went camping at, at Grayson Highlands and it was like sleeting and they were like eating spaghetti sauce, it was cold. And I was like, if I did that, I would be like out of commission for a month. Um, and everyone was just fine when they got back, you know. I'm a little tired. You can go camping at the last minute. You can go on dates with no strings attached. It's a beautiful thing. You can do that, by the way. just want to throw that out there. It's possible. You can go on dates with no strings attached. Just stop being weird about it. You know, just stop being weird. Um, you can dye your hair and not get fired, probably. You can travel to Europe if you have the means to do so. You can take time off for foreign missions, as Matt did, as there was a group today. Michaela Brown went to South Africa. You can start a band. When I was in college, I played in an ACDC cover band, and that was how I came to faith in Jesus. It could happen to you. Okay? And some of y'all need to hear and be given permission to just rejoice in the fact that you're young. Like God loves you. And He loves this season of your life. And He's not somehow just perpetually disappointed that you're so immature. He's just not like that. You need to hear that it's okay to enjoy being young. Some of y'all are so anxious to grow up. And I get that some of you had to grow up. And I understand that. But some of us are so anxious to grow up and have all the responsibility because you think that Jesus is only happy when you have everything all put together and you're doing everything right. And that day's never going to come. But he accepts you freely as you are now. He calls you to steward your youth by enjoying it. Um, he made you. He loves you. And he's telling you in this passage that he loves you being young. And you don't have to be in such a rush. And some of y'all need to hear that. You can steward your youth by enjoying it. But the second R there, the, the last R, is to remove. He says there in verse 10, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Um, there are two types of people in the world. My wife and I represent these two demographics. One is people that uh, laugh at videos of people getting hurt. 
and I'm firmly in that category. <laughs> My wife is in the other non-emotional sociopathic side. And, um, but if you watch like fail videos, the vast majority of people falling into a dumpster trying to do parkour <laughs> are under 25, okay? Just like, this, this is a fact. We were at lunch the other day, was, I was with some of y'all at lunch, and I was just mesmerized by like a show, it was a whole show of people falling, basically. And, um, and everybody looked like they were like 19, you know? And it's because, you know, when you're young, it's easy to feel like you're never gonna get old. And parkour, you know? And um, you can do anything. But he says in, in, there in verse nine, you know, walk in the, in, the, in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. There are consequences for these things. And this is where I, I want to get at, and I, I want you to take the idea of merit and of assuring yourself of God's favor off the table for a second, okay? Because I'm not talking to you about what you do to make God like you. Mark Twain, who was no Christian, said, heaven goes by favor. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would get in. Okay? If you had to earn it, your dog would get in and you wouldn't. Okay? But relationship with God goes by favor, by his, by his gift of his grace. Okay? So I'm not talking about how to make God like you. I'm talking what do you do with the fact if you come to know God? How do you steward things well? There are consequences for things. In verse 10, he says, remove vexation, tiredness, which is a, it's a bitterness that's provoked by the disappointment of the world. He's saying, remove that from your life. Put away pain or evil from your body. What, what he's basically saying is, why would you complicate your life with foolish things? With silly things that are going to steal the joy of your youth? Um, it's, it's hard for me to say that because I, I feel like it's coming out of my mouth as shame. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you an, an off-ramp. You know, in the Psalms, Psalm 119 says, the person's praying to God, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Why complicate your youth with foolish relationships, foolish decisions? Things that are going to be imprinted on your, the, the hard drive of your mind um, and, and, and make you look back on this time and go, ooh, like, you don't have to do that. It feels weird for me to say that, but you don't. You can steward your youth like God actually loves you and wants good things for you. Maybe he doesn't hate you as much as you hate yourself. The preacher is telling you in this, in this passage, not this preacher, the person in this, by the way, calls himself the preacher. He's telling you what some of the juniors and seniors in the room could probably tell some of you uh, first-year students. You know, many of them have tasted it all of the college experience, you know. And they've used and abused their bodies and the bodies of others and sowed their, you know, wild oats. And I think that many of them would tell you, you know, it's not worth it. It makes you feel weird about the time. It doesn't give you joy. And basically what I'm saying is don't waste this time with things that you know are harmful. And the reason why you don't have to do that is because God actually does love you and care for you. And besides, look, your youth gets over real quick. He says that, that, that uh, 
Youth and the dawn of life are vanity. They're a vapor. They're a breath. And look, it does get over fast. If you've seen Interstellar, okay, you know, they're like up on the mothership and then they come down on that one planet. I can't remember what it was. And they're like, we got to get up really fast because time goes by a lot faster on this or slower on this planet than it does here. And they get hit by that wave, right? And they've been gone like a couple minutes. And when they get back up, it's been 23 years, right? That, that shook me so hard, by the way. I just can't even think about it. It gives me nightmares. Because I'm like, that's, that's my life. Um, that's what it feels like. I have already lived at least a third of my life. Fifteen years ago, I was still older than a lot of y'all are right now. Okay? And I will tell you, it happened like that. The days are long and the years are short. And this is, really is a special time in your life. I texted uh, this guy. He's like my mentor. He's like my mentor. Except self-protecting that was. He's, he, he's my mentor. Okay? And um, he's like, whatever. I mean, he's like my dad, but he's not. You know, whatever. Um, and I said, I said Tom, what, what would you tell them if you were talking to them about youth? And he said, tell them to embrace their mortality. They're going to die it's not a theory. <laughs> and old age sucks. And that's what the, the writer writes in, the, in that verse 2 through 7 about all these things, like when your body starts falling apart, you know? Yeah, it's that same person. And this is what I want you to, if, if you can, begin to grasp what I think is really special about knowing Jesus. And on the one hand, you can say, like, embrace your mortality, you're going to die, it's not a theory old age sucks, and have that real view on things. And at the same time, this is the same man who has spoken into my heart time after time after time after time what I've said to you, which is he said, if Jesus rose from the dead, your best days are not behind you, but the best is always to come. That's the same person believing in the same Jesus and extrapolating two of principles that are two sides of a coin. Yes, it's hard. Yes, enjoy it now because life does get harder after a season, but your best days are never behind you. If Jesus rose from the dead, the best is always yet to come. So, steward your youth well. What are you able to do now when you have your strength and vigor that you might not be able to do later? It's worth asking that question. If you were beginning a work, I just want, I want you to, I want to leave you with this if you'll grant me this thought experiment. If you were beginning a work that you knew would stretch through eternity, how would you want to start that work? What if you believe that despite the disappointments and failures along the way, that the best was always yet to come? How would it change how you're stewarding what you've got right now? Jesus invites you to that. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, thank you. I thank you for the women and men in this room, for their stories. Lord, all of our stories are not the story that we thought we were going to have already. And yet, Lord, you call us and you say the resurrection is real. Death is not the answer. That in, in Christ we will live for eternity. And that the good is what awaits your people. Lord, that means that everything we do now is really significant. And that we can be content now and excited for the future. 
And Lord, I just pray that this ask that you would teach that to us, that you would make that real to our hearts. It wouldn't feel far away, but it would change what we do tomorrow. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Everybody say